As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Atlantic and Coastal, the Athletics ACC podcast. I'm Andy Bitter, Virginia Tech football beat writer for The Athletic and your host of Atlantic and Coastal. Back for another week of ACC talk. This conference just gets weirder and weirder. Uh, who is ready for a Pitt-Wake Forest ACC championship game? Do you think the folks in Greensboro are excited about trying to market a game like that? Kenny Pickett, Sam Hartman in Charlotte, get some. Uh, I know the, the, the fans of those schools probably would tell you, hey, that's a pretty good game between two interesting offenses, uh, not the name programs in the conference that you want necessarily. So it might be a difficult one to market, but for the people that would watch that game, I think it could be a pretty good thing. Uh, interesting results last week in the ACC. Uh, not so interesting set of matchups this week, though. Uh, I look at the slate and it just does not excite me too much. Uh, you know what we have to do when we need to bring our own juice, though, right? That's right. It's Aaron McFarlane from the Roanoke Times joining the podcast for the first time uh, since I've come over here to The Athletic. Aaron, thank you for so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, we welcome you here. Thanks, man. I, I could not be more honored to be here. You know, I am a religious listener to Atlantic Co and Coastal, and I've noticed how professional it is. And it's made me kind of ask questions of myself as to whether the previous iteration of our podcast, maybe the professionalism went down because of me. But then I thought, no, no, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> That's the first of many Simpsons references on this podcast. Let me explain what you might or might not have just heard. Uh, I kind of screwed up the volume on it, so it might not have come in correctly. And that was, hopefully you heard 50 cents, P-I-M-P. Uh, perhaps not, though, because this is a little more professional setting than the Hokies Press podcast that Aaron and I did for six or seven years at the Roanoke Times. Uh, we didn't really care about copyrights or anything like that, so we just kind of sort of played it. It was the Wild West of podcasts. Uh, perhaps a more professional operation here at The Athletic. So I don't know if that made it into the final cut of this podcast. You might have just heard dead air through this whole thing. But if you didn't, 
and you heard that song, uh, you might be wondering what it's about. We had this segment on the Hokies Press Pass podcast. Uh, there was a wide receiver at Virginia Tech named Khalil Pimpleton. And when you have a name like that, you just have to run with it. So we eventually worked into this segment that we called the Pimpleton Minute. Uh, they was just catching up with what Khalil Pimpleton had done in a week. And that was the intro music that we played, because why wouldn't you do that? And honestly, it was pretty uh, a nonsense segment because Khalil Pimpleton didn't do a whole lot. So it just sort of dovetailed into Aaron's corner to talk about whatever he wanted to. Uh, so that's what that became. It's possible that you didn't hear that intro here. But if you did and you were a fan of the Hokies Press Pass podcast and the music comes on, it probably hit like it was The Rock coming back from a 10-year wrestling hiatus. It was probably a big pop for the audience. At least I hope so, Aaron. Yeah, oh, no doubt it was. I mean, it, it's the thought that counts. I did not hear it on my end. We're doing this over Zoom, and I didn't hear the actual tinking of the uh, the steel drums. But, uh, you know, I, I saw you hold your phone up. You did the same technologically advanced method that we used all those years. And so I appreciate that. I thought it was uh, well done. All right. Well, now that we've scared off a good portion of the listeners for this podcast, let, let's tell you what we're going to do on this one. The games are not that interesting this week in the ACC, but games are always interesting when there's a betting line involved. And there is no person better to talk about this uh, than Aaron. Aaron uh, is a gambler by nature. Uh, the drunken gambler. Yes. And who might you be? Uh, another Simpsons reference there for, for you folks out there. Uh, this is something that this is a world that Aaron has been living in uh, throughout his life, the sports gambling side of things. And I sort of learned a little bit of it just through osmosis, through seven years of road trips with him and watching him betting soccer draws and fist pumps in the car on a late uh, equalizer in European soccer matches. And now it's legal everywhere and everybody's doing it. And I'm curious, Aaron. Uh, what does it feel like? Do you feel like you've lost something unique in your life now that all of us other interlopers are you know, wandering into your world and sort of stealing your thunder a bit? Well, I've gained a few things. One is rubber band banks. It's been very kind to me. All, all these offers, uh, you know, if you know how to take advantage of them, uh, you, you can make some money. Those will dry out, of course, as the, the sort of grace period ends where they don't have to pay as many taxes as they're trying to recruit players but yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun one thing that's changed is i've sort of been pigeonholed as the gambling guy on almost every podcast radio i go on to but as you know that's that's no problem for me uh you know one of my favorite phrases is if i were a betting man and i am uh, and i am so it's been a lot of fun uh, it's great to not have the stigma attached to it our paper has been very good over the years i've uh, put i've sprinkled gambling references throughout my copy the entire two decades I've been at this newspaper and nary a peep out of anyone uh, in terms of, you know, don't do that. Or that's, that's you're immoral or anything like that. But now it's just real out in the open. I have my own gambling feature every Thursday, Toutville, Virginia. That's been a lot of fun to do. And so I, I'm, I'm in heaven right now. This is a, uh, we're living in the golden age for gamblers. You mentioned you were like the gambling guy. This is like that Simpsons hockey episode where Homer is inviting Lisa to sit in the front seat of the car. And she's like, I'd like to, but I don't want it to be because of violent competitive behavior. I want it to be because a gesture of fatherly love. And then once she's in, Homer shuts the door and he goes, sucker, competitive violence. That's why you're here. That was sort of how I convinced Aaron to come on the podcast. I'm like, come on the podcast. We'll talk about stuff. And he gets here and I'm going to be like, we're only going to talk about gambling this entire time. It won't be in gambling the whole time. 
And I do want to start with last week's results in the ACC and just kind of look at an ACC big picture. Aaron, these were the results last week. I thought it was an interesting batch uh, of outcomes here. Clemson sort of gets right a little bit with a 19-13 win against Boston College. Uh, Wake Forest survives against Louisville 37-34. Pitt announces itself as a coastal favorite. They walloped Georgia Tech 52-21. UVA wins via doink. Uh, field goal at the end of that game against Miami, 30 to 28. And Florida State gets off the schneid, uh, beats Syracuse 33 to 30, thanks to an uncalled hold on the very last uh, drive of the game. What was the most consequential outcome uh, last week, in your opinion? I think it was Pitt. Uh, every week I do, you know, sort of the overachievers of the week, both for the ACC and nationally. And that is sort of, you know, just who performed the best relative to the line, relative to the expectations. Pitt was a runaway winner in that in that department. Uh, they covered the spread by 28 points against Georgia Tech, winning 52-21 as a, as a three-point favorite. I think anytime you win on the road, it's a big deal. Um, I think the road matters again, uh, especially with crowds back in the, in the stadiums. And we've seen it uh, often this year. Um, so that would be number one. I, I think Louisville giving Wake Forest a test was a bit of a surprise to me. That was one of the few chalks I had as a, a, a pick to, to go with was Wake Forest. I thought they would win that one pretty handily, and they didn't. Uh, that, was a, that was a game all the way to the end. Uh, I think that's, that's an interesting game. You know, one of the interesting things about Wake, you know, they're 5-0, and oh, but they're 2-3 and three against the spread. And, you know, I look at that, and that, that to me, that, that puts a little bit of pause in the runaway hype for for the deacons yeah that that was one that uh i i was also on the wake side of that line i thought they would win by more than seven uh i think a common thread in some of these acc games was poor officiating mm-hmm. that kind of reared its ugly head in some of these games clemson got very lucky with an offsides call that wasn't made uh against boston college late in that game wake had the weird situation before halftime where they ran a running play with four seconds left, they got tackled in bounds and somehow managed to get a timeout in. I know Dave Clawson explained afterwards that he's like, I told the official I want the timeout right when he's down. It's like, well, there's a whole operation that's involved in it. It's not like PlayStation. You don't hit the button and it's instantaneous like that. I think uh, the Deacons have to feel fortunate uh, to have gotten three points there before halftime. And the Florida State game, I was watching that. And uh, Jordan Travis gets out to the outside. Uh, it was kind of like a, the Michael Vick play at West Virginia where he tiptoed the sideline and got extra yards. But before he got out there, there was a pretty blatant hold, uh, ripping the jersey on the shoulder pad of the Syracuse defensive end to allow that. So I can't imagine the ACC was feeling too great uh, about coaches' complaints about the officiating this week. It was a pretty rough week like that. But I'm with you uh, about Pitt. I thought uh, Pitt looked outstanding in that Georgia tech game. And you kind of wondered, uh, you know, how they were going to be coming off that Western Michigan loss. I feel like Pitt almost lost that Western Michigan game just to throw everybody off the scent. <laughs> that's, that's a very Panthers thing to do is like, people are talking about us too much. Let's lose this game to a non-conference team. Uh, Kenny Pickett all of a sudden looks like Dan Marino out there. He's got 15 touchdowns the last three games. I look at that offense. They got playmakers all over the place at receiver. There's not really a running game that scares you. It's not like a classic pit team like that, but an Arduzzi defense. Uh, I'll ask you this. Do you consider Pitt the favorite in the coastal division right now? No, I consider Virginia tech to be the coastal favorite. Uh, really? That would buck uh, what the Vegas says. That, right that's now. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting is we have not seen Narduzzi 
look like he's been waiting for an airplane and then having his uh, flight canceled or, or delayed in a while. That, that face that he makes has not been there. Uh, and that's what happens when your offense is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country in terms of numbers. I mean, that's what Pitt's been doing. Uh, I like the fact that the Hokies have uh, an important game in hand. You know, one of those huge uh, coastal clashes that we're going to see this year has already been played. And that was Virginia Tech against North Carolina. And for Tech to get that done in their house was a big, big deal. For Tech to uh, be able to host Pittsburgh is a big deal. Uh, that's coming in a week. And, you know, as big as this Notre Dame is for the Hokies this weekend, that pit game's bigger, uh, immeasurably bigger uh, a week from now just because of the conference implications. I, I, you know, it's taken me a long time, and I think you might be in a similar spot with me, to, to stop thinking of Pitt as just a a big faction of 250 pound running backs that walk into your stadium and just try to bludgeon you, you know, that with Kenny Pickett, they are a totally different squad than that. And they can beat you in a lot of ways, but uh, I still just the way this, the schedule sets up and everything. I mean, tech has time. They've had time to try to iron out some of these offensive woes. They're not ironed out yet, but uh, they got the big win in hand and uh, they, they got another shot. They'll probably be a, I would think a slight favorite against Pittsburgh at home in, in a week and a half. You think they will be favored against Pitt at home? I, well, I, I, I don't think be- they will. I think Pitt in that offense and especially, and of course it depends on how Virginia tech does against Notre Dame this week, but man, I look at that thing and I go, how's Virginia tech going to score with these guys? Like That's- even, even in games that Pittsburgh lost, or the game that they lost, they scored 41 points in that game. Uh, and it just seems like an offense that's sort of hitting on all cylinders right now. And I look at Virginia Tech and I go, can they score 30 points to keep up with a pit offense that looks pretty sharp right now? So that, that would be my pause with that and, and kind of why uh, I like Pitt right now. I don't it, every time I put faith in Pitt, Pitt ends up letting me down <laughs> in some way before the, the Western Michigan loss. I'm like, the Pitt is legit. This is a team that's out there. So maybe we're giving them or I'm giving them the kiss of death here by saying that they're the coastal division favorites. But uh, I don't know. There's just something about the way that they're playing and, and Kenny Pickett taking his game to another level that that's I, I think what you need is some pretty solid quarterback play. And I don't see that with Virginia Tech right now. And this is, again, well, I'll mention that venue matters. You know, the fact that it's not at Heinz Field, it's at Lane Stadium is going to matter. The Hokies, and this matters this week, as the Hokies are a slight underdog against Notre Dame, Hokies have covered in five of their last six games as a home pup. I mean, they, they play well when they're not expected to at Lane Stadium. It's those games that they're expected to bludgeon teams that you often find yourself not covering if you're if you're betting on the Hokies. Um yeah, I mean, I think I think it does matter what happens against Notre Dame. I mean, if, if, if the Hokies go out and lay a giant egg, then yes, I think Pittsburgh will be favored when they come to Blacksburg. But I'm uh, making the assumption that, that Virginia Tech is going to win this game. Uh, I have them winning 50, uh, 30 to 21, which would be over the very, very meager total of 47 this week. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of with that in mind, I'm thinking they'll have enough momentum uh, in, in the minds of odds makers to make them a slight favorite. That is a lot of points to expect out of a Virginia Tech offense. That it does really not is. look that good. Uh, good luck with that coming <laughs> into this week. I want to flip over to the Atlantic division. Sure. And uh, we were talking before the podcast here. It doesn't sound like you were buying uh, the upstarts in the Atlantic division as being uh, teams that you would pick to win that, that side of the conference. No, I think Clemson's still your favorite in that side of the conference. I think Clemson's still your favorite in the league. Um, the odds makers believe so. 
uh, even though we can talk about the, the way those numbers have changed given uh, Clemson's awful offense in recent weeks, pretty much all season, really. I don't know, man. Uh, Wake, they're, they're balanced. They can do a lot of good things, but uh, it's still Wake. And those Wake lines that they're not covering are still Wake lines, right? You know, people, it takes time for oddsmakers to adjust to uh, a team surprising people and being good. So these these are not like ridiculous lines that, that Wake Forest is favored by a ton that they're not covering. They're, you know, two and three against the spread tells me in three of your games – this season, you have not performed better than public expectations. And so, to me, that, that makes them not as big a surprise as, uh, as we're making them out to be. Wins are wins, yes, that's what matters. But um, in terms of forecasting the future, you've got to look at how those wins came and, and by how much. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at uh, the odds makers who have a very vested interest in this whole thing. I'm looking at this uh, today. Clemson still the favorite in the ACC at plus 135. Now that uh, has come way down from what it was in the pre. I think it was like minus 1,000 or something like that. Like it was not a smart bet preseason. You were not going to make a big profit on Clemson like that. All of a sudden, now plus 135. Could they sort things out uh, on the offensive side of the ball and still be the team to beat on that side? It could be possible. Some other odds here. This is out to win the ACC outright. I was looking at Bed MGM uh, this morning. Pitt plus four fifty. Uh, NC State is actually better, plus three fifty. Wake Forest plus four fifty. Uh, Virginia Tech. I didn't see the exact uh, uh, line on Bet MGM because we're in Virginia. We can't bet on those. But there's some other sites I saw it around plus seven hundred. Uh, UNC plus 1000. Those are the top odds there uh, in the league. And that leads me to the next part of the podcast, a staple of the old Hokies press pass podcast. We're going to do a mid podcast mini draft here. Uh, People always love the drafts that we do. Uh, We'll go three rounds on this. And this is picking uh, the ACC winner in an effort to make the most money of this based on the current odds that are out there. And Aaron is the guest. I'll give you the first pick on this on who you want to go with. All right. Um, I will go with Virginia Tech, and you have them at plus 700 at MGM. Is that right? Yeah, or, that's right. Or, or where you saw it outside of MGM, because we can't bet on Virginia Tech here in, in the Commonwealth. Uh, just going back to what I said about them being the coastal favorites, if I think they're going to win the coastal, and Pitt is uh, a favorite above them in, in the overall ACC championship odds, then I feel like I'm getting value uh, at that price for Virginia Tech. So um, I will not tell you what my second pick will be because I don't want you to take that. But it, it just in this, I think if you get to Charlotte, you got a shot. And if Virginia Tech were to get to Charlotte, it will have meant that they've ironed out their their offensive woes. And and again, that to me, I'm, I'm that's what I'm looking for Saturday night against Notre Dame. It's all I know winning is important, and I know the fans are are desperately wanting to beat Notre Dame at Lane Stadium. But in the big picture. What, what you need to see is some offensive progression to make you feel good about the number one goal for this team, which is to win the Coastal and get to Charlotte and then try to cash on that plus seven. For my first pick, I am going to go with the one I was talking about before. I like Pitt at plus 450. I look at this other site, and it looks like they have them at plus 550. Uh, I just like the, the, what they're doing offensively. and I feel like Narduzzi will get that defense to play well eventually. I don't think they've played great so far. Uh, but I think he typically takes sort of no-name defenses and gets something out of that. It's always been, can the offense do enough 
uh, to sort of keep pace with that defensive side. And, you know, Kenny Pickett's been there, what, 13, 14 years at this point. He should be pretty good and well-versed in this offense. And he looks very sharp right now that, uh, you know, before the season, I would have gone and it's like, how are they going to score with UNC? And now I think they can. And I think they have an offense that can outscore some of these other offenses in, in the, that side of the uh, league that are struggling right now. You look at Miami, you look at Virginia Tech. So uh, at plus 450, I, I like the Panthers there. That's probably, let's see, second or third uh, best odds in the ACC, but still uh, not exactly uh, even odds or anything like that. So Pitt plus 450, that's going to be my first pick. It's not a bad pick. Uh, I am going to, for my second pick, I am going to take Clemson. I'm going to take the chalk here. You chalk, chalky chalk. Yeah, over here. Uh, as I wrote for Toutville this week, it, it rare is the opportunity to find the Tigers at plus money. It just doesn't happen to win this league. Um, last week at this time, they were still a very firm minus 220 to win the ACC. Uh, in, in April, they were minus 835, around 1,000, probably at other places too. So uh, to be able to get them at plus money, understanding that the way they recruit, understanding that their defense has not been a problem, uh, their defense has been just fine, uh, understanding that DJ Uyunglele is a quarterback that threw for more than 400 yards at Notre Dame last year and knows how to play football, even if he hasn't really shown it this season, uh, I am going to go ahead and say, all right, this is the best value we've seen on Clemson. I mean, betting is all about value, whether you're taking favorites or pups, or futures bets, or just tonight's uh, prop bet on a on a Dodgers Cardinals game. I mean, it's all about value, and to see Clemson in a spot with a big plus sign next to them just makes my eyes get big. That's a good pick. I don't quite trust that offense, and I feel like no, Vegas, I, I understand like, why. Like, yes. like Vegas has not caught up to Clemson's offense. I mean, they installed the uh, the Tigers as sixteen point favorites against Boston College. I thought that was the easiest bet I had to make last week. Was not like they they hadn't scored 16 points in the uh game against an FBS team in regulation prior to that. They were going to beat somebody by 16. I, I feel like uh just hasn't quite caught up that the the fact that this is a bad offense right now. And I know they have stars all over the place, but then you look at some of the defensive guys that have gotten hurt there. I just feel like this is as vulnerable as Clemson has been. And, and, you know, if you're sharks in the water and the other ACC teams and, and the Atlantic side, they've been waiting for this moment. And I feel like that sort of energizes them a little bit to see a wounded animal out that. And that leads to my next pick. I'll take Wake Forest plus 450. Uh, I always just kind of like the Deacons. Uh, I like Dave Clawson. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think that's an underrated program where it's not flashy. They redshirt everybody there. They really have a veteran group. I think they have a good quarterback and Sam Hartman, some pretty good receivers and offensive pieces there. That defense has been better than people say. And it gives me a little bit of pause after watching them play against Louisville last week when all of a sudden they're sort of the darling. Can they live up to those expectations? They don't play so well, but they've had some weird games against Louisville over the, the years. Uh, so I trust them a little bit more than I would trust NC State, who I have uh, waffled on a lot over the years here. And I don't quite trust a Doran's crew to, to get it done consistently over a season. So this might look foolish at the end of the year, but I'll take Wake Forest right now. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there about NC State. And you've kind of been the guy who's 
drilled that into my head is to look at who they're beating. You know, it's not, uh, I mean, they were my, NC State was my lock of the week, when the, the week they beat Clemson in the ACC. And that was really a, a satisfying win to see them win outright. But uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, they, they, they trip up at, at bad spots and, and I don't think that they're going to be able to sustain it enough to, to win this league. Um, for my third pick, and again, let, let me go back to what you said about Clemson too real quick. I mean, both things can be true. One, one can be that they've looked not very good. I mean, they're not covering spreads. They're not – all the things I talked about that, that give me pause about Wake are very true with Clemson. But the other thing can be true too in that, in that you believe that they can develop and get better and, and by the end of the season. It's the old Seth Greenberg thing. You know, when, when we were like, how did you lose to North Carolina A&T, A&T and then make the tournament? And he would always say, guys, we can get better. And uh, if anybody can get better, it's that Clemson squad. So for my third pick, I'm going to go ahead and take a bomb. Bombs away. Um, what do you have Virginia at? You oh, have a- man. I, I got them at plus 7,000. Plus 7,000. Plus 6,000 on this other side. And I'm kind of <laughs> angry because this was the team I wanted to pick as my long shot. And you're going to do it first because I'm polite and I gave the guest the first pick. How dare you, sir? Let me take the bomb. Yeah, let me go ahead and take the Cavaliers. I know they're one and two in the league. That's not a good place to be. But as you know, uh, as you've seen over the years, I mean, the Coastal has a way of, of putting of working teams back into the mix that you think might be out of it. Uh, for them to get a road win at Miami, albeit a, a kind of a lucky one, uh, it, that was that was huge because they just haven't won on the road. That's been their big bugaboo over the years, uh, recent years under Bronco Mendenhall. And uh, so that puts them in a better position. I mean, it was a coastal win too. You know, they've got some of their coastal games that um, could turn this around. You know, the Virginia Tech game is at home. Uh, of course, there'll be plenty of Hokie fans there, but uh, still it's at home. You know, Georgia Tech's at home. Duke's at home. You feel like they can get those. Um, so it'll it'll turn on games like this week at Louisville. They're two-and-a-half-point dog. I don't like them to win this game, but – that's not the question we're asking here. The question is, who's the, who's the best value left on the board for our draft? And to me, it's Virginia. They, I, you know, I think they're, they're well coached. And if they can get that defense uh, playing a little bit better, they can work themselves back into the coastal mix and then give themselves a chance in Charlotte. That's a good pick. And that was the one I was going to go with. So now I'm kind of at a loss for what I do at this point, because I don't like Miami at all. I feel like that's sort of a dead team walking right now. I had them at plus 2,500 on this. I guess I'll go UNC at plus 1,000. That offense is still very good. Uh, Yes, they lost to Virginia Tech. Uh, Yes, they lost to Georgia Tech. I don't think the Yellow Jackets will be in the mix at the end for a tiebreaker or anything like that. And I think Virginia Tech's very vulnerable here. I think they could lose some games and perhaps that tiebreaker doesn't come into play. Uh, So, you know, Sam Howell in that offense is very good and they play much better at home than they do on the road. That's sort of something the Tar Heels have to solve here is how figuring out how to go on the road and play that same way. But you know, this was the team preseason that everybody was picking to win the coastal. And so I can get them at plus 1000. Now where Clemson doesn't look so hot in the other side, uh, I think all of a sudden that might be a possibility there. So I'll close with them uh, at the end of this. Uh, I'm really angry that you took that UVA pick. <laughs> well, oh, I, think I think I think your dislike of the Wolfpack or your, you know, your 
your distrust. I gave it away. I gave your it away. Distrust of the Wolfpack puts you a, puts you in a corner, and that's really all you could do was take UNC. And look, if you're going to take a, a team with double digit odds or you know four digit odds in this case, uh, then you're you're going to want to look at a team in the coastal. I think. All right, that was fun. We'll come back at the end of the year and see how we did and watch. It'll be NC State that wins, and we will not have bet uh, on that. That's usually how this goes. Aaron, since you're here, and this is uh, something we've talked about a lot over the years on the roads between uh, various bad country music that you've made me listen to and arguments about which comedian is uh, better, uh, I've listened to you talk a lot about gambling. And you have this sort of like pamphlet book that you're writing, The Gambler's Code. Uh, I'm not sure if that will ever be published, but I hope it will be sometime. And it's basically you're writing about how to get ordinary people just to enjoy themselves uh, gambling. Can you give us some of your rules or some of your things that uh, just the average fan out there should know to enjoy their betting experience, to not go in there like a sucker? Go in there like a gump and give away your money to the the Vegas uh, casinos that get built off of this stuff. How can you go in there and not only uh, win some money sometimes, but enjoy yourself doing it? Well, I think the number one thing above all else and it is money management. If you do not have a money management system in place that allows you to make bets calmly, allows you to capitalize on winning streaks and mitigate the problems that come with losing streaks, which they will come and they will feel like crap, but you will be able to get through them if you have a money management system that works. The one that works for me, and you can tailor it to however you like to bet. If you're a $5 better, I'm a $50 better as a face bet. So I'll just give me, you can scale it to whatever you're comfortable with. You know, just take the, take the decimal point one place or the other. Uh, but I bet $50 on a game. If it wins, my next bet is $75. If that wins, my next bet is 100 Anytime I lose, I'm back to 50 and that's it. Uh, there's, it doesn't matter how much I like a team or how much I don't. Uh, it's it's going to be that way. So if you want to do $5 that way and go to $750, go to $10, uh, I think it's a, it's a very smart way to do it because you will get on some hot streaks where you win five, six, seven in a row. And by that point, you're betting, in, in, in the example of a $5 better, in the neighborhood of $20 by the end of it, you know, and then all of a sudden you're, you have become a, a high roller without actually risking that much because you've built up to that. You have all those winnings in the bank uh, from those previous victories. So that would be number one, find one that works for you that makes you comfortable and doesn't give you, you know, hives when you watch a game. That's not what we're doing here. We're not trying to give ourselves hives. We're not trying to, uh, ruin our sports viewing experience we're trying to enhance so that would be one and just one other i would give and this is i wrote about this in in toutville this week but you know you got to understand and and it it comes with time and practice but you've got to understand which bets drive you crazy and for me it's betting on favorites. betting on favorites drives me crazy i i looked at that yankees red sox game on tuesday night and i said the yankees are better I agree with the odds makers. The Yankees are a better team. They got a better lineup. They got a better bullpen. You know, I just, uh, I think the Yankees are going to win, but I did not bet the Yankees. I bet the Red Sox. Why? Because they were the underdogs and because I cannot stand watching a favorite lose. If if a favorite is a four, let's say, and giving points in football is even worse. If you have a 14 point favorite and they go down seven, nothing. Oh my gosh. That is the second worst thing in the world that can happen. What's the worst thing that can happen? 
they come back and they win by 10, right? They're on the field celebrating their gutsy win. And uh, the sports center's talking about how well they were in a hole, but they came back and showed their champion spirit. And you're standing there with a losing ticket. How's that feel? So that's, that's me, right? So that's why I, I live a chalk-free lifestyle. I leave, live a chalk, I have a chalk-free diet. But it might be something different for you. Maybe if you, you don't like betting teams that are clearly inferior to other teams. Like, for example, Maryland against Iowa last week. That was one of my picks. I, I like followed your advice on that, <laughs> and it was a money pit. Thanks for that, AMAC. Great text by you, by the way, where you said uh, your, your bra bomb better work, Nerdlinger, and of course it didn't. But <laughs> that's, of course, Homer goes to college. You're not going to be my secretary <laughs> of partying down anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. But if you, if you have a hard time with that whole idea of betting a, an inferior team, hoping for uh, a result that goes against what your brain is telling you that the matchup should, should dictate, then don't do that. Don't bet underdogs that are clearly, uh, you know, home dogs are almost always uh, not the better team. But, um, but find whatever it is, whatever that bugaboo is for you, find it and avoid it at all costs because you can tailor the gambling experience to be however you want it to be. Uh, the, the house has no control over which games you take and which you don't. So make sure you are taking the ones that uh, make your game watching experience as enjoyable as possible. Well, for Aaron, this is betting uh, European soccer draws. He's found an inefficiency in the system. I think that he's constantly uh, betting on European teams to draw in soccer. And the rationale is that most of these teams are happy to come away with a point for the draw and they won't try too hard. Or if they're at the end and they're losing, they'll try hard enough to get the, the draw and be happy with that. Everybody goes to their locker rooms. They both take a point. They move on. Uh, tough to do that in American sports where ties are just forbidden. So I'm, I'm curious, Aaron, what are your thoughts on parlays? Cause I feel like the amateur gamblers like myself see parlays and the, the big payoffs they can go and they start drooling and they start doing those all the time. They very rarely hit and you have an interesting uh, thought on this, the, the science behind parlays and the, you know, the brain reactions of whether you win or lose. It sounds like they're somewhat the same. I can't remember which book I read this in, and I apologize to the author of the book, but it was one of the many self-help books I've read. But it was, it was talking about how slot machines in uh, casinos, um, if you're a pathological gambler, of uh, uh, someone who's addicted to gambler and you're like playing, Aaron, like you, <laughs> if you're playing a slot machine and two, you know, the reels come up in such a way that you almost win, but you're one reel off, you know, one small thing off from winning a jackpot. The, the brain bi- processes that in the same way it would, if you won. So you get the same endorphin rush, you get the same chemical, you know, reaction in there that you would have gotten if you'd won. Well, parlays are exactly the same way in that if you have a seven leg parlay, and I know you had one the other night that I think was one leg away. I think it was a 10 leg away and West Virginia just had to win at home and didn't. Right. And it cost me about $120 in winnings. So I'm not too happy about that. Thanks, West Virginia, for that. But what's going on in your brain is the same, the same feelings of pleasure that that you and I know it doesn't you don't feel that way because you lost it and you and you're not a pathological gambler so you understand you Yet. know my, I can my, my ten dollars is gone right I, I would like to just reiterate like however it feels however close you got to to cashing your parlay 
You didn't. Okay. The money <laughs> went to the casino. That's the, so there's a reason, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a reason anytime there's a huge parlay that hits, those are the ones you see retweeted by, you know, the various, um, you know, bookmakers out there. They're like, look at this. Somebody turned uh, $50 into a hundred thousand, you know, with this crazy 15 leg parlay. They want you to bet those. They would love for you to bet. And I'm not telling people not. Uh, I don't because uh, I don't enjoy them. Uh, but, you know, if you are, if you are sort of a, a, a low roller and you want a chance at, at you know, at the, sort of the jackpot feeling of a scratch off ticket or a slot machine, um, parlays can be fun to risk a little to try to win a lot. I'm not trying to steer anybody away from that other than to, to let them realize, you know, what's going on mentally with those. And uh, if you're losing them consistently and you're still not feeling like you're losing them, there's a reason for that. <laughs> like, like if you're still feeling like, wow, that was a really good bet that I made, even though your $10 is now gone. Um, just think about that and, and be sure uh, that's factored into your whole, uh, your whole idea of how you're going to game. Money line underdogs. That's the route. You want what the team wants. The underdog will try to win. Uh, that's their sole focus is just trying to win. And if they win, you win. They're not trying to cover a spread or just win the game and not get over a certain point spread. That is the big thing I have learned from Aaron over the years is money long money line underdogs is the place to go. You don't need to win nearly as often when you're betting money line underdogs, cause you're not, you're on the plus side of odds. So you get a little bit bigger payout and uh, not losing that vig to the casino uh, quite as badly when you're betting favorites. Uh, Read all about this each week in Aaron's gambling column, by, by the way. It's, it's not called This Week in Gambling because that turned out to be trademarked by a gentleman somewhere in the country who contacted Aaron about that. It is called Toutville, Virginia, uh, play on Troutville, where Aaron lives here uh, in the Roanoke area. I want to put these betting strategies into play now and talk about this week's, of, uh, this week's ACC games because it's not an interesting slate. But it's always interesting when the betting line is involved. So I think it's time to play America's favorite game, juice or no juice. This was a staple of the Hokies Press Pass podcast. Uh, the answer is going to be pretty similar, I think, on all these. But Aaron has also done the research gambling-wise. will give us a good edge on each of these games on uh, which way it could go. We'll start with Georgia Tech at Duke. Georgia Tech is three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, at Duke. That line seems... Low to me. Georgia Tech beat UNC by 23. UNC beat Duke by 31. And I know the transitive property doesn't exist in sports. It doesn't work that way. But Georgia Tech favored by three and a half, even on the road, seems like a low number to me. What, what do you think? Juice. This juice. game has juice. This game has you're, no you're juice. Gonna be, you're going to be stunned at, the, at my choices on juice or no juice. Um, this is actually my pick of the week in the ACC. I'm going with Duke and I'm taking the three and a half. Actually, I'm, wow. taking, I'm taking them on the money line, of course, as you know. But for, for the purposes of the ACC lock of the week, which is 4-0 this year, by the way, uh, with several uh, nice juicy upsets like that NC State over Clemson uh, and others. But Syracuse was the pick last week and they covered as a four-point pump. I guess it was up to five and a half by the time of kickoff. Anyway, back to, to Georgia Tech and Duke. Jackets, they don't cover as a favorite. They're one and six against the spread in their last seven games as a favorite. And as we know, in recent times, they haven't been a favorite too often, but they're a favorite here and they're going to blow it. Uh, the Devils, we know Wallace Wade, or as Doug Dowdy would like to call it, our friend Doug Dowdy, a, a miniature Rose Bowl. We know Wallace Wade <laughs> Stadium is not uh, exactly a snake pit. 
It's not the most devastating place to go play. But you know what? Duke plays okay there. In fact, they play pretty well. Uh, in their last seven home games, they've covered the spread in five. That's a pretty good run. Uh, I am going to take Cutcliffe. I'm going to say this Georgia Tech up-and-down team that's had some just wacky results in, in both directions has one has another one in this week and uh, they lose this game out. This is why you don't listen to the donks like me that cite off these transitive properties. This team beat this by this, and this, this, this Aaron does the research on this stuff. And he looks at the matchup at hand and not exactly how things have been going for each time. Cause I think people like myself fall into the trap. Like this, like I, this line looks crazy to me, but then there's a reason for it. And uh, this is another example of you betting the money line underdog on this one is you wouldn't try to say like, well, Georgia Tech will win, but not by uh, enough to cover the spread. Like that's a very small needle to thread there. You might as well just pick Duke to win it if you're talking about a a three and a half point line like that. Right. Although, you know, Syracuse is an example last week of a team that did thread that needle. And as a money line better, I lost that bet uh, because, you know, they didn't win the game. But uh, yeah, I think in in general, I mean, you know, you have to win about 52%. On, on standard minus 110 bets to break even. Uh, if you're taking Moneyline underdogs, that number goes uh, way down in terms of what you have to do to profit. So, uh, and then, you know, the same holds true for soccer draws over betting, you know, soccer favorites. You know, like if, you, if you're getting plus 230, um, you need to win one out of three and you're, and you're making money. So, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, I got some sort of phlegm going today. But yeah, the, uh, I, I think that's, you, we're, we're always looking ahead, right? We're forecasting. We're not, we're not trying to look so much at what they did last week. I think that is, that is a pretty serious pitfall for, for a lot of people is like the last thing they saw was, you know, Duke's been terrible, but um, you know, the, the, we're, we're this, this game itself is its own entity and we're going to look at it that way. All right. UVA at Louisville. Louisville is a two and a half point favorite here. UVA has never won at Louisville. The Cardinals looked pretty competitive last week against Wake Forest. UVA fortunate to win that game against Miami. They had the really crazy uh, circus catch in the end zone that was sort of a lucky catch for the touchdown, have the, the missed field goal from a very reasonable range that hit an upright about as solidly as you can hit an upright. I mean, it was just like this loud, aluminum gong. Like you can't hit it any more solid than the Miami kicker did that. Uh, who do you like in this one? And does this game have juice for you? Juice. This uh, game has juice. Especially if I'm getting Virginia, it's plus 7,000 to win the ACC. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, Virginia, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, that's big for them to get a road win just because of how bad they've been on the road. It's been so stark how, how, how different they've played at home in a way. And, you know, it's not like Virginia is drawing sellout crowds either. So it's just there's a comfort factor to being at home and all those things that matter. But given that, you know, and, and, and in this series, Virginia, Louisville, you know, the home team's covered in the past five meetings. That makes sense. When you think about how Virginia has been one victory on the road against Miami is not going to change my feeling that Virginia still has a lot more to show me as a road team uh, for me to feel very comfortable. in them. the more interesting thing here, the over under has climbed. It opened at 65 and a half. It's climbed up to 69 and a half. Anybody who's watched Virginia's defense and Louisville's defense this year understands why that is, but know that in the last five meetings between Virginia and Louisville, the total has gone under all five times. So I'm seeing a little bit of value perhaps in the um, under 69 and a half here. 
I like it. You took us in a completely different direction there. Yeah. When those lines, uh, those over under start getting like 70 and over, it's like you almost have to have great offense throughout the entire game to hit a number like that. I think last week, the Ole Miss Alabama one got up to 80 and a half in the pregame and I jumped on it on the under. I'm like, they're gonna have to play four quarters of great offense to hit this number. And I just don't see it happening. And sure enough, Ole Miss was pretty lousy uh, in the first half. Didn't get much better in the second half. And that, uh, the under hit pretty easily there. I think just on the, the line itself, I'm probably on Louisville's side here uh, with two right. and a half. If it's under a field goal, I think I like that at home. Uh, the next game on the last year, Wake Forest minus six and a half at Syracuse. Uh, this is a game a couple years ago in the Carrier Dome that Cuse won 39-30 in overtime. Uh, that was a decent Wake team that they beat, a, a decent Orange team too, relative to what they have been the last couple of years. Uh, Syracuse has shown a little bit of a pulse uh, this year, even though they lost last week at Florida State. Uh, does this game have juice? And which way are you leaning? Juice. And, and again, this is uh, a full juice week for you so far. This is no, shocking. no, it's not. No, we'll get to the no juice in a second. But, okay. Uh, part of this is, you know, the Wake being five and zero situation. Part of it is what I think is going to happen. I think Syracuse is going to win this game outright. Uh, Wake is a six and a half point chalk. The Orange have been a covering machine this year, four and one against the spread so far, including last week. Uh, they fared well relative to expectations against Wake. In the last 10 meetings between Wake and Syracuse, Wake has covered in seven of them. And I, you know, I feel like they're all, you know, look, covering against Florida State is, is nothing to crow about. But that's not the only game they've covered this year. I mean, their coverage against uh, Liberty was, was impressive to me. Um, and as I think there's a lot of momentum on the Wake side in terms of, hey, they're coming up and they're going to challenge for this ACC title. And I think that gets really, really thrown – some dirt thrown on it this week with a Syracuse victory. So I'm saying juice because of the unexpected result. You are down on Wake Forest, I feel like. You are not buying into the Dave Clawson renaissance down there. Uh, and I don't blame it necessarily, but it's interesting. It's counter to what a lot of uh, the narrative is out there right now in the ACC. This is why we bring you on, because you look at it from a different angle like this. The next game, Florida State at North Carolina. North Carolina is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. And by God, Aaron, if you said this game has juice, you will lose all credibility. Juice or no juice on this one, and which way are you leaning? No juice. Yeah, typically when I see 17 and a half or I see anything over 10, really, I just kind of discard it. I don't really think about it because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to bet favorites. So very, very infrequently are you going to like a double-digit dog to win the game outright. Uh, so there's no real opportunity for a money line bet that makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, reluctantly, I'll take Florida State in the points here. The road team has covered in six of the past seven meetings between these two teams. Uh, maybe more importantly, in the last five of those, the underdog is covered. Um, typically, North Carolina is the underdog in this matchup, but uh, Florida State is a deserving underdog in this one. And uh, I'll go ahead and take that big, big load of points and just hope they can muck it up some. Typically, I would like to go with the underdog when it's a huge line like that. I think Florida State is just not very good. And yeah. North Carolina is a completely different team at home than when yeah. you get them on the road. I think they showed that last week with Duke where they didn't play perfect in that game. They still covered a very big number uh, against a bad Duke team. And I think Florida State is a bad team. And sometimes people see Florida State and they don't put two and two together with how much they've struggled this year. So I might take the Tar Heels uh, on that one. Let's get to the last game here. and the, the local one that you and I will be covering. Notre Dame, number 14 in the country, minus one 
at Virginia Tech. This is two struggling offenses. The over-under is very low. I think it opened at like 44 and a half, and maybe it's up to 47 and a half right now, something like that. Uh, perhaps rain in the forecast, I think it's like 60% chance of rain coming in. The wind is coming in at, I don't know how many knots. I'll have to call the coach's hotline on that uh, to figure out. I think it's 199 a minute or how much it costs to get a, a hints like that. We'll skip the coach. We'll go straight to Aaron here. Does this game have juice or no juice? And which way are you leaning? Juice. Lots of juice. Yeah, and not just because we're going to be there. I always like it when we're at the marquee game of the week, right? That's always nice that you you don't feel like you're missing out uh, by not being on your couch watching all of the slate. You, we, I think we've got the best one, uh, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. I am going to take the Hokies, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the Irish have covered in past, eight of their past ten road games. That gives me pause. Hokies, though, as I mentioned before, five and one against the spread in the past six is a home pump. One other thing that goes against the Hokies that uh, surprised me, coming off a, an open date, off a bye, as we like to say, uh, they are just one and four in their last five games off a bye, which I, I that stunned me because, you know, Fuente has done very, very well in, in season openers, as you know. Uh, he, he does pretty well scheming up for that big game that, that kicks off the season, but it seems like for whatever reason, the, the bye weeks haven't been as helpful to him. And it includes some bad ones. Yeah. Like that, that Duke game in 2019 where they just got obliterated and you go, what is going on with this team? That was coming off an open week. And it kind of makes yeah. you scratch your head about it. Yeah. And both coaches this week have mentioned that they want to get their running games on track. That's part of their strategy. And then that was another reason why you see that over under as low as it is. If you're running the ball a lot, there's going to be, um, you know, the clock spinning quite a bit. I think we're going to see an inspired performance out of the Hokies. I do. I've had this game circled for a long time, uh, several games circled. You know, the West Virginia game I circled, this game I've circled, and now the Pitt game I've really got to circle because that is, I think, maybe the game of the year for Virginia Tech, to be honest. Um, so uh, I, I guess this is just maybe taking that 5-1 and one trend as a home pup and also adding on to it a dollop of my belief that their offense can't be this bad forever. I mean, I, I they, they have weapons. Um, it, it's not in pod their, their offensive line is not as bad as it's played, uh, especially, especially in their last game. Um, so I, I think they're going to improve. I think they can try some things in this game. Again, this is a non-conference game. This is as big as it is, as big as it feels, it's still, I think an opportunity to work on some things that are going to matter uh, in the conference slate. And part of that is, is, you know, opening up the offense some and trying some different things, maybe, you know, telling Braxton Burmeister, you know, take a few more chances, you know, I know, you know, you don't want to turn it over. That's such a bugaboo at, at Virginia tech, not to turn the ball over and anywhere really, but especially with coach Fuente, um, maybe he tells them, look, if, if, if it's single coverage and you want to give it a try, give it a try. And, uh, I think they're going to need a few plays like that to win the game, and I think they'll get them. And I think they win this game thirty to twenty-one. I picked uh, Notre Dame to win nineteen to seventeen. Yeah, uh, just a weird score for what yeah. I think will be a weird low-scoring game. So it's not much different than the line. Uh, ethically, I wouldn't bet a game like this, even if I could. With it being uh, in Virginia, you can't bet on Virginia sports. So just as a person who covers the team, I'm not going to do that anyway. Right. But if I did, I probably would be with you. I'd, I'd bet the underdog in this one because. 
it's just too struggling off. I know that goes against my actual pick of the score, but just in terms of a, a betting person and trying to make some money off of it, I'd take the underdog in a game that's just two pretty evenly matched uh, teams in this whole one. So it should be fun to be well, out there, even though it's not uh, two high flying offenses, it should be an interesting game. Right. And that, and that kind of goes to my Red Sox Yankees thing that I was talking about before, you know, like you can have a feeling that it's going to go one way, but you can also have that, that other feeling that if, if I'm going to make an actual bet, you know, I, I'm looking for value in that bet, you know? And so a lot of times the underdog is, is the way to go in that case. If you have to make a pick, you have to make a pick for the paper, but you'd like to see plus money, you know, on your bet. Uh, those are two different things and, and you just got to separate. Well, Aaron, this was fun. I'm glad we did this. We got the band back together. Everybody go follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron McFarlane. You'll get gambling picks. You'll get obscure pop culture references that may or may not get a bunch of likes. He'll leave it up there pinned until it gets a certain number of likes. And he's like, okay, it's got enough. We'll move it down. You'll get endless Simpsons references. You'll get sort of non sequitur references. For instance, Aaron likes to refer to October as Octo Rock instead of Rocktober, just because it's not the obvious way of doing it. So come along, be part of the fun on the Twitter account. Aaron, what is a, it's Toutville, Virginia, right? And every week, what is your record right now uh, in your picks? Uh, my locks of the week are now seven and two. That's a tidy 77.8% against the spread. Uh, and that includes five underdogs who have won their games outright, which is what I really, really care about. And including, including some very juicy, you know, the Wolfpack, if you took them on the money line, was like plus 320. I mean, you you can eat off that for a couple of weeks uh, if you hit something like that. It's not just picks. It's also little tips, you know, little, you know, I, I try to make it local, uh, you know, for our readers here in Virginia. But it's I think it would have some appeal to anybody in ACC country who just wants to look at some of those trends that I mentioned. I mean, I, I pulled those out while while, uh, you know, looking up things for for Toutville. So. It's fun, and I'm, I'm trying to get people interacting with me. You know, if they have questions or comments or funny stories about gambling, I want to I want to involve the readers too. So, uh, come one, come all, come check it out. It's it's a lot of fun, and hopefully, we'll keep hitting winners. Well, if you like rubber band banks, go click on Toutville, Virginia. Aaron provides all sorts of winners all the time. He's doing very well. It makes it very uh, relatable for non-gamblers like myself. They're trying to dip in their toe in the water. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you, Andy. See you Saturday, bud. All right. That's another show in the books. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Please go rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. There's all sorts of places out there. They always have a little star system. Give us five stars. It helps us. Even if you don't really believe it, give us five stars. It helps us get the word out to everybody out there. Go subscribe to The Athletic, too. You can listen to this podcast ad-free. Go to theathletic.com slash ACC pod. Everything on The Athletic. And every sport, every team, every sport, uh, we have a 50% offer going right now. Lots of great stuff on there. Follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Andy VT. I'll be covering that Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game this weekend. And we'll be back again next week to do it all again.